Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 13. Uh, we're going to pick it up where we left off. John chapter 13, if you'd turn there, please. Last week, we, uh, we finished chapter 12, and, and we looked at the last words that were part of Jesus' uh, public ministry, at least in the Gospel of John, and, you know, it was really, it was really all about believing and trusting in him, and, and so, you know, either we believe or we don't believe. We're in one category or the other. We're truly, uh, truly uh, born again believers in Jesus Christ, or we're not. It's like you can't, there's no middle ground, there's no weird place in the middle. We talked about, the scripture talks about those that that would not believe. They were unwilling. They made a conscious, stubborn rejection of what Jesus had to say. And because of that, it then says that they could not. And it was like they were confirmed in their rejection. There was, there was a hardening that took place because of their decision, because of what they decided. But yet still, despite all that, there were many that did it says, and many among the leaders even that did, and, and their faith wasn't perfect, they needed a lot of growth, uh, and, and we all need a lot of growth, but, you know, they did put their trust in Jesus Christ, so for those who do believe, we, we see Jesus promise eternal life, for those who do not believe, it's eternal death, it's, it's just as simple as that, it's a matter of life or death. So now we moved into chapter 13, and it's, a, it's kind of a, a turning point, really, from chapter 12 to chapter 13, and, and he begins to speak to his disciples. Chapter 13 through chapter 17, or, or people have named, them, named it that section, the Upper Room Discourse. How many of you have heard that title before, that name before? The Upper Room Discourse. So there's this, these, these five chapters, really, when Jesus is speaking, we... You know, we think the upper room, that's just where the Last Supper was and all that. But it's, it's way more than that. And we see these five chapters uh, in uh, the Gospel of John. Really, uh, chapters 1 through 12 of the Gospel of John cover like three and a half years of Jesus' life. Somewhere in that region. These chapters, chapters 13 through 17, cover like a 24-hour period. So he uses like five chapters, like a quarter almost of, of his gospel to talk about just what's going on up here in this upper room, the things that he was saying to his disciples. Some people have called it the, the, holy, the holy of holies of scripture, where Jesus kind of just opens his heart and his, uh, you know, the way he's feeling, the way he's thinking and, and to his disciples. So I think I think there is something very special about it. We, and, and, you know, we've got five chapters. It take, could take us a while to get to the end of those five chapters. But he starts off with this section, in this section, or, or in this what has been called the Holy of Holies of Scripture. What does he start off with? He, he starts off with uh, attitude and action. Attitude and action. It's actually a very familiar passage. We, we all know about this passage, but what can we see in it? What, can we, what comes out of it? What, how does it 
you know, affect us. Really, th those two things are what I see. It's attitude. What is our attitude? And number two, what is our action? So let's go ahead and look at that. John chapter 13, it says there, it was just before the Passover feast. And Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love or, or really loved them to the end, to the uttermost. So he knew that the time for the cross was coming. Again, fitting into this concept of the upper room discourse, he knew that the time was coming. And, you know, when, uh, you know, when you're going to go on a trip and, you, you know, you're going to leave your family behind, you know, you get all your stuff packed, you get everything ready, but then, then you, perhaps you have a little bit of time, we're going to spend a little time together before I go. That's kind of like what's happening here. He showed them his love to the end, to the uttermost. Of course, he isn't speaking just about what we're seeing in this first section. This is part of it, but really it's the cross. He's going he's he's to go all the way to the end. Greater love is no one than this is found in, these, in this section, that he laid down his life for his friends, that he laid down his life and and he showed them the full extent of his love. So really, what was it all about? What is it all about? It's about the love of God seen in the Son, in Jesus. The love that he has for you and for me. Verse 2, it says, The evening meal was being served. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. We're going to look more at that next week. But the devil was at work, and there's this man called Judas Iscariot, and, and, and when I read that, I saw that he was the son of Simon. He was somebody's son. But he had put it into the heart. The enemy was working in the heart of this man, Simon, excuse me, Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. Verse 3 Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. This is a, you know, a, a powerful verse. Now, you, it's one of these verses you can just kind of go over quickly, but, but Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what he came to do. This is important because this leads into what he ends up doing right here, which is washing the disciples' feet. He knew who he was. He knew that the Father had given him all the power. He knew that he had come from the Father, from heaven. He came down to earth. He knew he was going to be going back. He knew all these things about himself. He knew all that he was going to do. And yet, what did he do? It says in verse 4, So... You could say because of this, because he, 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 he wasn't, you know, he didn't have any insecurity about who he was. He wasn't grasping to hold on to it. Well, I'm the son of God. Don't you know who I am? He could have done that, right? Because that's who he was. He could have said, don't you know who I am? I'm, I'm God. But what did he do? It says, so he got up from the meal 
And he took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I don't know, folks, but this is radical. For him to do that, you know, he was their teacher. He was the one they all looked up to. And now... And, and we just saw that he was God come to earth, God in flesh, and God with us. And now he, God takes on this role, puts this towel around himself, gets a basin of water, and starts washing the feet of his disciples. That is like radical. I'm sure, that, I'm sure they're, they're, the thoughts in their mind were not just, uh, oh, that's kind of cool. Well, that's awesome. I think their first thought would have been, what are you doing? Jesus, what are you doing? Like, hello? Which brings me to the first point of of attitude. The attitude is what? Humility. Humility. This is the attitude of humility. This is a lesson in humility. The attitude that Jesus shows when he did this He didn't try to hold on to who he was. He didn't make a big deal about that. In fact, because he knew who he was, he humbled himself. He was able to humble himself. He wasn't worried about his position, his power. This is a lesson in humility. The interesting thing about this, when you you look at the different Gospels and how these things all fit together, the disciples were having a discussion amongst themselves around this time. Anybody remember what the discussion was? Who's the, Who's the greatest? Exactly. They're having a discussion. Who's the greatest? No, no, Peter, Peter's saying, no, it's me, John. No, it's me. You know, all the disciples, no, it's me. I'm, I'm way better than you. I'm, you know, look at me. Did you see what I did out there, you know, when we were out doing this and doing that? Oh, that never happens to us, though, right? Not us. We don't need a lesson in humility. You know, I'm so humble, I'm proud about it. (laughs) Jesus, it says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And and this is the lesson that he's given here. It's a lesson in humility to be a servant. So he comes to to Peter in verse 6. And and, and Peter says to Jesus, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. I, I... When I read that, I said, you know, isn't that the truth? How many things that Jesus is doing in our lives and even in our world today, and we we just don't really understand what is going on. What is he doing? What are you doing here? Peter would certainly know later. Peter's response, you know, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? No, what, what is going on here? And, and Jesus said, you don't understand it, but you will understand it. 
And the truth is that he did understand it later. In fact, later he said, when he wrote his own epistle, he says these words, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Some people think that he was thinking about the this time here in the upper room where Jesus took that towel and wrapped it around himself. And Peter is now saying, clothe yourself. Wrap this humility around yourself now because your pride is not going to get you anywhere. In fact, God is going to be fighting against you. He did learn it later. But getting back to the present, he didn't really have it, did he? No, said Peter. No, said Peter. No, said Peter. <laughs> Peter, you know, you've heard plenty of studies perhaps about Peter and his, you know, he, he, he kind of puts his foot in his mouth quite frequently. He's, you know, he, he, he speaks before he thinks. He gets himself into a lot of trouble. And, and, and we can all relate to that, I think, to one degree or another. But, but to say no to Jesus, that, that just doesn't go together. When Jesus says in his word, this is what we're supposed to do, and our first answer, is, or what he's going to do, our first answer is no. Something's wrong here, right? I mean, the answer should be what? Yes, like, Lord, I don't understand it, but, but whatever you say, whatever you want, whatever you want of me, whatever you want to do in my life, that, that is a, it, that's, the, that's the first part or one of the parts of humility where we're, we're willing to say, yes, Lord, whatever, I, I, you know, because I don't know it. I don't have it. He seems to be, you know, dictating to Jesus. He says, no, you, will, you shall never wash my feet. You know, one of these people, you know, you've got to use the word never. You've got to like, you know, make it as big as you can, you know. You're never going to wash my feet. Did that come true? He didn't have that right either, right? You'll never wash my feet. No, you'll never. No, never. But what was going on there? Was it his own pride? You know, I don't need you to wash my feet. Or was it pride for Jesus? No, you're, you're Jesus. You're the Lord. You, you know, you got to look out for... If you're not going to look out for yourself, I will. Or maybe, what about this? Maybe, he, maybe it's hard to receive from other people. And even from Jesus, it's hard to receive. Jesus to come and do this and, and do this in my life, it's hard to receive it. If somebody, if somebody around you wants to, to, to do something nice for you and you say, no, I, I, I don't want it. I don't know. All I know is that it wasn't good. It wasn't good, was it? Jesus answered, he said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, 
Simon Peter replied, not just my head, but my hands and my feet as well. He says, first he's saying, no, never. Now he's saying, Lord, everything. Someone said a moment ago he was telling, he told his master that, that Jesus, you know, you're doing too much. And now he tells him he's doing too little. He's still dictating to Jesus, you know, okay. First he's saying, you're never, no, you can't do that. Now he's saying, yeah, you're going to do it, but, but do this and this and this too. He's like, that's not a place that we should be in to tell Jesus what to do. Verse 10, Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. He said, a person who's had a bath, you know, you've washed all over, but you only need to wash your feet. And, and really kind of what Jesus is talking about, and he talks about it uh, in, in, in terms of those who were his, and they were clean, and they were washed. And really, the, the, the point of this is that there are two types of cleansing. There's two kinds of cleansing, right? And, and he kind of points and brings them out here. The, the first one that we see is the initial cleansing, and, and this is really where our sins are washed away, or we're completely forgiven, we receive the salvation of God, we are born again, we, we are made new creatures, we're, we're a new person, a new creation in Christ. That's radical, that's, that's all-encompassing, it's, it's eternal, it's forever, Okay? That scripture up on the screen, it says we, that he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He, this born-again experience where he washes us and cleanses us. This is ultimately important. He says not every one of you is like that. But this, this complete, you know, this washing, this complete thing that takes place when we are trust in Jesus Christ. That's the first kind of cleansing, the initial cleansing. But the second one is this. It's, it's more of an ongoing thing, isn't it? It's an ongoing thing that, that uh, the first one is like a bath where you wash everything. And this one is like washing a part of the body. It, it's a daily thing that takes place, You're, you know, that that you, you need to, to do. John speaks about it. And again, this is the Gospel of John. Now we're quoting from the epistle of John. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is a, you know, when we blow it, and we do, we, we come to him and we, we, we ask, we, for, we confess our sins, we ask him to forgive us, and then he cleanses us from the, the grime and the, and the grit and the dirt of this world and just the, the things that, that happen to us in this life. We need that. Notice if you look back to verse 8, uh, Jesus said to Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That doesn't mean that, that if you've been washed and you had that initial cleansing, it doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It, 
that part means participation. You can look at the word. It means participation. It means fellowship. It means communion. And that's what happens when we're in this world and we, we don't keep our accounts short with God. The, the communion that we have with him is, is broken. It's, it's hindered. So yeah, we might be born again and we belong to him. We're a Christian. But because of the things that we do and the things, the stumbling things that, we, that happen to us, we need to go and get washed and cleansed again because it's breaking our fellowship with him. Does that make sense? It's crucial to understand that because the enemies will come along and say, you know what, you are just, uh, you're not even saved. You're not even a Christian. You're not born again. You're not anything. But Jesus, we saw it in the first verse there, he, he, he showed them his love. He showed them his love to wash their feet. Not everyone, he said, was clean. Judas, this is a, a crazy thought, though. Judas had his feet washed, but his heart wasn't clean. You can wash your feet. You can, you, know, you can say, oh, forgive me for that thing I did over there, but if you're not one of his and born again, and you know, it, it's not going to do you any good. You don't have that eternal life. You're not secure and safe. Verse 12 says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I found it interesting in verse 13, he, he says, you call me teacher and Lord. And then when Jesus said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, he kind of puts it, you know, the order, I think the way that it should be. But he says, the, your Lord and your teacher, he humbled himself and he actually washed your feet. He got to the lowest place and the, and the, the lowest servant in the house would be the one who washed feet, by the way. You probably already knew that. But he said, I've set you an example. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. God, come down to earth now, humbled himself and washed the feet of his disciples. You know what? The more... You know, lately, the more I read the Word and the more I study, the more I think about these things is that we have a, a huge problem with pride. And Jesus knows about that. And he says, listen, look, watch me. And he humbled himself. I think it leads to the second point, which is action, is, it, is we need to humble ourselves and serve one another in love. We need to humbly serve one another in love. Philippians chapter 2, a, a radical, radical uh, passage about who Jesus is, but it says this, your attitude 
should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus gave us an example. He humbled himself. He, he became a servant. He didn't grasp who he was. And Jesus says here in John 13, do as I have done. Do as, do as I have done and, and serve one another in love. That's what we're called to do. What keeps us from it is our own pride. We've got to battle the pride. We really, really do. Because as I said a couple of weeks ago when we talked about casting all our cares on him, the verse before it says, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. That's what you and I need to do. Jesus showed that, that he was not afraid to humble himself and serve his disciples. Verse 17 we wrap this up, he says, now that you know these things. We're going to give you a diploma. We're going to give you a certificate that you can put up on your wall. Is that what he said? Now that you know these things, you know, your head is going to swell up because you know so much. Now that you know these things, we're going to, you know, I'm going to give you a a big button to put on your shirt. Is that what he said? He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed. What? If you do them. If you do them. If you put them into practice. If you actually act on them. The action that, that, that follows the attitude. The attitude of humbling ourselves and being willing to do whatever Jesus would ask us to do. This word, blessed, you know what it really means? Happy. The word is happy. He says, if you, now that you know these things, you will be happy. You know, we all want to be happy. I want to be happy. I, you know, I want, I want. But Jesus says, if you want to be happy, then if, do what I ask you to do and humble yourself and serve people. Be willing to serve other people. We think it all has to happen to us. We, we think it's you know, all about me, but Jesus is saying it's not all about me, it's all about others. And that's where joy comes in. That's where happiness comes in. That's where blessings come in. When I'm consumed with myself and what I want, what I need, what I think, all I get out of the whole deal is what? depressed but when I get out of myself and start being willing to help and serve and do things for other people it changes my life changes my whole outlook changes there's something that feels good about doing stuff for other people does it mean I do it all the time no but but I'm just saying this is this is the truth James talked about it the half brother of Jesus he says that that if you hear the word that gives freedom, the perfect law, and you do it, 
Not forgetting what you hear, but you do it. He says he will be blessed in what he does. The same word. He will be happy in what he does. Not just what he hears, but what he does. The action. So much more I could say about that, but... What's our attitude? What did Jesus say? What What did Jesus show? He showed humility and he showed serving others. A couple of quotes I want to finish with. He says, Warren Wiersbe says this, the world thinks that happiness is the result of others serving us, but real joy comes when we serve others in the name of Christ. The NIV study Bible said, willing to perform the most menial services for other, others. Not saying, you know, I could never do that. Why would I do that? I'll pay someone to do that. I'll you know, get someone else to do it. David Guzik said this, anything we do for each other that washes away the grime of the world, the dust of defeat and discouragement is foot washing. Don't criticize those with dirty feet. Wash them. Wow. That's a challenge, isn't it? For every one of us. Don't criticize, but wash them. Get in there and help. Do something. But David Guzik also said this. He said, be careful of the temperature of the water. Too hot and you burn them. Too cold and it's distant and kind of a cold heart. Be careful of the temperature of the water. Attitude and action. That's that's what I see in these verses here in the first part of this upper room discourse. The holy of holies of scriptures as some have said. Let's humble ourselves now and pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do humble ourselves before you. We, we call out to you. We're lost. We're, we, we need help. We are consumed with ourselves. We are proud. We are like Peter. We, we are, you know, pretty much not understanding like Peter. We have so many things that we need to work on in our lives, but we can't do it. We, we humble ourselves, Lord, and we pray that you would work in us. We humble ourselves and pray that you would work in us. But we also humble ourselves and pray that we could work, that you could work through us as well as we serve one another in love. Show us ways, Lord, I pray. Show us ways that we can serve one another, whether it's our family members, our husbands, our wives, our children, the people we work with, our neighbors, where we could do something to serve one another in love and caring. Father, I know and I think we all know it's not really a natural thing for us, Lord, so we pray by your Spirit you would empower us to do what you call us to do because you do. You empower us to do what you call us to do. I want to pray this morning as well. As always, we, we just know there are people in this world, maybe people in this room that don't know you, that have never... Uh, surrendered their hearts and lives to you, that, that haven't had that initial cleansing, never been washed of all their sins and, and born again 
been born again by the Spirit of the Almighty God. And if that's you today, you can open your heart and you can ask Him in. Pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I'm lost. I'm lost. I need help. Come into my life and forgive me and change me. Save me, Lord. Father, thank you for your word. May we not just walk out of here and just say, well, that was good, a good word, but help us to put it into practice, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?